Welcome to Philosophers on Medicine. Side effects include having your mind blown. I'm Jonathan Fuller. There is renewed research and attention to race in epidemiology and medicine, partly owing to developments in population genetics. Yet race is a contested category and poses philosophical questions about the reality of racial categories, as well as the ethical and social-political implications of using them. For instance, is race a social construction? And if so, how do racial categories line up with the world? Perhaps more pressingly, should we be using racial categories in epidemiology and medicine in the first place? Today's consultation is with philosopher Sean Baez, Associate Professor at Michigan State University. Sean Baez, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. We're going to be talking about race in epidemiology and medicine. So to start us off, how are racial categories currently used in medicine and epidemiology? So racial categories are used in a lot of different ways for a lot of different purposes in epidemiology and medicine. I'd actually say one of the biggest drivers of, of using them, or at least collecting that data and hence having it appear inside sort of a given article, is largely a matter of habit. It's become essentially standard practice that when one collects demographic information, if it's available, one includes racial and ethnic information. So if you collect information about gender, if you collect information about age, alongside those, again, if one has access to it, one will also report um, racial and ethnic information, largely on the basis of sort of the common understanding that the treatments and experiences and outcomes have interesting variations between these different demographic groups. So based on the fact that we, we collect this data essentially routinely, then it's up to individual research teams to decide what they want to do with it and why. So some of them will make very little of the information that they collect. Others will pay a great deal of attention to it. Standard practice is also that, that individual teams will essentially get to decide how much analysis they want to do with it. So some will very much dig into the experiences of different subpopulations by ethnicity and by race. So they'll, they'll give a lot of attention to, for example, whether the experiences of African-American females who were receiving this particular treatment intervention, whether or not they had a different experience than African-American males compared to Asian-American men compared to et cetera, et cetera. Or they might not look for that information at all, or they will be requested to do so by a peer reviewer if they try to publish it. And so there's quite a bit of variation about how exactly this is used and also a variation in what kinds of categories are used. So if you pick up a paper, you might see references to European ancestry or to white or to sometimes it's even referred to as the reference population, the white population. Other times you'll see information and you'll see reference to Caucasians. And so that kind of variation and a little bit of slippage back and forth, or sometimes even uncritical use of these different terms, that's all part of the standard practice that it's routinized to a certain degree, but also highly variable to another degree in another sense. Why has there been a recent increased attention to racial categories in epidemiology and medicine driven by population genetics? I'd say the biggest driver is just the fact that we have a lot, a lot, a lot more data than we used to. So there has been genetic data of various kinds for quite a long time, since even before we were even able to have a whole lot of information about what DNA was or what exactly it did or how. But just since the Human Genome Project, not necessarily because of the Human Genome Project, but since the Human Genome Project basically picking up, especially in the early 2000s, there was a massive influx of new data just because it's a lot easier to collect information like a person's genotype. So if now one has the possibility that if they wanted to sequence the, all or most of the genomes of a large number of people, they can do that at a reasonable cost. And so, so we actually finally are able to have very sophisticated genome analyses of 
hundreds, thousands of people all at the same time. And so now that we have thousands and thousands and thousands of genomes available to us, again, in whole or, or large portions thereof, now we have to sort of, once again, sit down with the data and sort through whether or not it matches up at all with racial categories, what that adds to our sort of existing understanding about what race is, whether or not it basically just repeats what we sort of thought before. And so the debate got essentially reignited by new data that just wasn't available before. I can see why there would be some political, practical issues with collecting this new data, and we'll get to those. But I'm also interested in why philosophers might or should be interested in these issues. So what kinds of philosophical questions in, let's say, philosophy of reality, metaphysics, mm -hmm. um, the philosophy of knowledge, epistemology, and in philosophical ethics might, uh, might this pose? It poses a huge number of questions for basically all different types of philosophers, at least as you sort of broke it down, largely because race, in some sense, is all of those things. So race is a way that people form their identities. It's a social phenomenon, hence it's interesting to, to social philosophers. It's something that affects our judgments insofar as things like racism can affect our judgments, whether or not we realize it or not. So it's an epistemological issue as a matter of um, data collection and analysis and forming conclusions. It's a scientific phenomenon insofar as it's used by scientists. It's a biomedical phenomenon insofar as it's used by people in biomedicine. So since race touches essentially every aspect of our social world, uh, it touches every aspect of philosophy, which has some sort of stake in every aspect of the world, too. Can you give us a couple of examples of maybe two philosophical questions one could ask about race? Yeah, so one could ask the very, very basic question of what is race in the first place? And that's typically going to be some sort of answer of, well, it's going to be multiple things, but it is most fundamentally X or it's most fundamentally Y. Or one can answer something more practical or in the sense of more applied. So what does race do in medicine? Or is it good that race is doing this in medicine? Or should race do anything at all in medicine? So those kinds of questions are the more the side of what I'm interested in. I don't do as much work in basically what is the metaphysical nature of race, although one sort of has to deal with that in some sense if one's going to do any practical work. So these issues all tie together. What kinds of answers have philosophers come up with to the question, what is race? There are different attempts to try to sort of break it down as far as what the different types of answers are. A standard way of dividing it up within philosophy and outside of philosophy is basically, is race a construction? And if so, what kind of construction is it? Basically, is race something that we discover in the world or something that we make? These days, it's much more likely that one will find that the answer is more on the side of it's something we make. It gets much more interesting and much more complicated when you have some any kind of intermediary position where we recognize that race is something that we make, but it's something that we make out of things that we found in the world to some extent. So there are differences, for example, in skin tone. That doesn't automatically equate with race, but we have made race out of things that include things like skin tone and ancestry. And there are, for example, average genetic differences between a population from North America versus a population from South America, at least the ancestral populations there. And so what do we make of the fact that we have certain markers, either visible or invisible, that are able to distinguish them with some degree of reliability, often a very low degree of reliability. And so if we are constructing race out of something that sort of exists independently in the world, what does that mean race is now? Is the way to go in order to reconcile these two facts, that there seem to be things out there, but also that we seem to be socially negotiating some of these categories, to try to figure out a way, an, a middle ground in order to come up with one concept or idea of race? Or do we then multiply different 
racial concepts to account for these different phenomena. Yeah, so this is a, again, this is one of the live debates as far as what race is and what's uh, a sort of metaphilosophical question uh, taking a step back is, is to what extent we should be trying to dictate whether or not we should all agree on what race is. I think there is a plurality of views about what race is, and I'm generally a philosophical pluralist. I think I don't like to dictate to people what they ought to believe about most things. I want to let people basically be themselves and have their own identities and concepts and cultures and things like that. So I'm not generally in the business of trying to dictate what race is to people. At the same time, I do have an interest in making sure that certain concepts of race are not promulgated in a way that's going to be harmful to other people. So, for example, racialism, the view that essentially that there are these deep, deep biological boundaries between races, which often goes along with this idea that there are essentially better and worse races, that concept of race is not something that's acceptable to me for both factual reasons and for the fact that it's ethically horrific. I guess one could also ask whether, on the whole, we should be using racial categories in medicine and epidemiology at all. And I understand that there's lots of different debates and questions and considerations that get raised in there. So we'll, we'll try to pay justice to just a few of those. Um, what are some of the arguments for using racial categories in medicine and epidemiology, given the torturous history of the use of racial categories in the sciences? Yeah, so there's this general tension between what's called uh, racial conservationism versus eliminativism. So do you want to conserve race in medicine or do you want to eliminate it from medicine? There are a million different variations and middle grounds and reformulations about, well, I want to conserve it in this area of medical research, but not genetics, or it's in genetics, but not in this other area, or I want to rename it something else. So there are sort of broad camps, but even those are very, very uh, shades of gray. For the people that want to conserve race somehow in, in medicine or epidemiology within certain boundaries, maybe. Most of them are going to be driven by a concern with trying to deal with the fact that there are disparities between races on average when it comes to many, many different medical phenomena. So I, I know the American literature a bit better than the Canadian one, but we're in Canada. So for example, among the various Aboriginal populations in Canada, there are massive disparities in things like diabetes rates between those populations and the, and the settler colonist white populations in Canada. So the fact that it's multiple times higher rates of diabetes, if we are going to be responsible to, um, biomedical practitioners, I, I'm a philosopher of medicine, but I sort of broadly will consider myself part of the biomedical enterprise insofar as that's a matter of concern that suffering and disease are things that we want to address, then we have to deal with the fact that there is this disparity between racial groups, again, on average. What would be the counter argument then against using racial categories in medicine and epidemiology, given the motivation you just brought up for doing so. Uh, it's exactly what you said. If one knows anything about history, the racial categories that we have have changed over time. They're not consistent. In the U.S., we've, we've basically reformulated what our races are again and again and again. And I believe Canada and other countries have basically followed the same trend. Sometimes we'll recognize something as an ethnicity one time and then change it back to a race. There was only one census where Mexican was a race. So if I was around then, then I would have been a Mexican racially, but then it was not during the next census. And so that between that variation, the between country variation and the fact that those races were not really formulated on the basis of any particularly sophisticated genetic information. I mean, it far preceded genetic information or biological information. Then it sort of looks patently absurd to continue to use these concepts that emerged out of not really good science or even preceded the idea of science, depending on who you ask, then 
it seems ridiculous we would continue we would continue using them and especially these concepts that have done such incredible harm that basically race is a necessary ingredient for having a world that has racism in it and so insofar as we are continuing to perpetuate race by using things like biomedical publications then in some sense we are continuing to give fertile ground to racism is one sort of idea, one reading of the situation what might be the middle ground between these two positions conservatism and eliminativism between the conservationist side and the eliminativist side it's pretty typical pretty much everybody in the middle ground to say that not every single use of race is going to be an acceptable one so one can try to limit it to only certain uh, disciplines should be able to use it so some have said essentially that we can deal with race as a sociological phenomenon or an anthropological phenomenon or even a psychological one if somebody says i am black you you want to say like no you're not but they might want to say well we but we don't want to have it inside something like a genetics paper because race is not genetic or something like that. So there are attempts to break it down by discipline. There are other attempts to do it by something like purpose, or others are concerned with what kinds of inferences we draw from race. Other people are more concerned in, in the context of, of biomedical publication with ensuring that when those concepts are used, they're explained in a very careful way. Here is the data I'm collecting. Here's why I collected it. Here is, or even have that to be standardized, something like that. So there's a very, very broad recognition that we need to proceed with caution about how exactly to do this. I have my own sort of position about, about what the sort of proper uses of race are, but there's quite a range of views about what's the right way of sort of trying to tread this line between addressing these health disparities that we see as unacceptable and that do exist in the world versus the problem of basically playing with one of the most dangerous concepts that we could possibly deal with. Why might philosophers be able to contribute usefully in particular to these discussions? That is a deep existential question for me as a philosopher. What, do, what exactly do I bring to the table or what do my colleagues bring to the table? That would depend on which philosopher it is, which both varies by the individual person and also what their training is and what kind of area they work in. So, for example, philosophers of genetics who work in race are able to help us to pinpoint what exactly are the concepts and inferences that we're drawing. So philosophers tend to be very interested in sort of taking a step back and taking a look at what kinds of issues we're dealing with. And so they'll identify that actually the way that you're using this particular model isn't the same way that this other set of authors is using this particular model. And it turns out your interpretations of whether or not there are races here depends on certain assumptions. And then they might even start digging into some of the more nuanced model components and looking at some of the mathematical assumptions they make, things like that. People who work in something like intersectional philosophy, they would say, actually, the way that you're dealing with race as a phenomenon really can't be separated out from the way that gender is operating here. And so you need to recognize that, that race and gender, as they relate to this particular case of discrimination, can't really be separated out because women of color here versus men of color actually have vastly different experiences. And you need to recognize how this social category interacts with other social categories. And so you might not have considered this to be a gender problem, but actually your racial problem here is also a gender problem or vice versa. So it really depends on what they bring to the table. But insofar as philosophers have interests in basically every facet of the world and even parts of the non-world, a lot of us try to bring something novel that would not necessarily be brought to the situation by a sociologist, that would not necessarily be brought by an anthropologist or by a psychologist or something like that, or a literature, so a literature scholar or other disciplines too. Everybody has an interest in race in some sense. So now to put you on the spot, what's your view? Should we continue to use racial categories in medicine and epidemiology? Yeah, so I've been publishing about race since around 2012 or so. I, I only finally 
recently started being willing to commit to actually a, like a, a firm position. I have that forthcoming into Oxford University Press volume on the biomedical race debates, which is edited by Quishan Spencer, coming soon to a bookstore near you, <laughs> I hope. So my position is that insofar as the problem that we're dealing with in the world is racism, and so focusing on the biomedical aspects on health disparities between these racialized populations, then I think proper uses of race are ones that actually directly address those. Basically, you can use race if you're using it to fight racism. If not, just don't touch it. It is too dangerous to play with, but if we're going to use it to try to actually solve the problems that we've created in the world using race, then basically race is the cause of and solution to our racism problem. Dr. Baez, thanks for sitting down with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. To hear more Philosophers on Medicine, visit www.philosophersonmedicine.com or find us on iTunes or Google Play.